For us, Revelation chapter 6, we saw the opening of the sixth seal last week. We saw that that seal, of course, that sixth seal basically is announcing what is going to be happening under the seventh seal of Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1. It takes you all the way up to the wrath of God. In uh, Revelation 6, the latter part of that chapter, verse 17 says, For the great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? And of course, that's post-tribulational. So that, that passage, that sixth seal announces a lot of things that are happening. Do you understand what we're saying here, okay? In uh, chapter 7, verse 1, And after these things, or it can be translated, Amid these things. Because if you say after these things, then you're talking about after the day of His wrath. And we're talking about the sealing. So let me explain to you before I read this, what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the sealing of God's people. The sealed people. We saw the six seals opened up. Now we're looking at the sealed people. We're going to look at the sealed people, the 144,000. And we're going to take it in its most literal sense. That the 144,000 in this chapter is Israelites. Next week, the Lord willing, we'll talk about how that Israel is a type of the church. So there's more than just one thing going on here. But particularly this morning, a literal interpretation of this chapter. It is going to show you the sealing of the 144,000. And then from verses 9 on, that takes you beyond the tribulation period to the first resurrection. Okay, so we'll be covering a lot of ground in this chapter. What the Lord does, He sort of puts in parentheses uh, more understanding of the book of Revelation as we go along. So what you have then is you have seal judgments. Okay, then you have the seal people in Revelation 7. Then you have trumpet judgments. Then you have the 144,000 in Revelation 14. Then you have bowls of wrath, seven bowls of wrath. And then you have the city of God. So you have, it's divided this way. That's the way God's word. So he's showing you the corporate body. He's showing you the uh, people of God after we have the seals and after we have the trumpets and after we have the bowls of wrath. Kind of help you understand how the book is laid out. But today, its most literal form is what we're going to be looking at in its future, its ultimate sense. Okay, so y'all with me now up to that. All right, so after these things are in, uh, literally in a mid, the midst of these things. What things? We'll explain that to you. He says, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east. Say, from the east. Or from the rising of the sun. So this angel's got a message of a new day. Because it's from the east, from the rising of the sun. This angel ascending from the east or from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand 
all of the tribes of the children of Israel. Okay, so now we know who they are. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. And these are the names of the tribes, of course. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Neph Nephilim, Neph let me get it, I can't even see that. Nephthalim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. Now watch this. After this, and it should be after this, I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations. So it takes you just beyond just the 144,000 Israelites. Now we're dealing with a multitude of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. So they're standing in a resurrected body here. Okay? Say resurrected body which means they have participated in the first resurrection and that doesn't happen until the sounding of the seventh trumpet and so that and of course that's post-tribulational so anyway you're beyond the tribulation here you're in resurrection ground first resurrection he cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. Saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be under our God forever and ever. Amen. One of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. He said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation. They came out of it. They mean they were in it. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God. And serve Him day and night in His temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst anymore, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Chapter 8, verse 1. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. Chapter 9. Chapter 9, please. Verse 4, It was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass or the earth, nor any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your awesome word today. I pray that you would inspire us, God. Open our ears, open our understanding, open our spirits, God, to hear and to receive your glorious word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> when you back up into the sixth chapter, 
the sixth seal is opened up, you have an announcement of catastrophic events. Where the Bible talks about there, in verse 12, a great earthquake. The sun becomes as sackcloth of hair. The moon becomes as blood. Became as blood. The stars of heaven fall into the earth. I don't know if that's literal stars or just meteorites of some kind. It could be nuclear holocaust that's going on here. And you see missiles entering into the earth's atmosphere. Uh, that could be stars here. The Bible said they fell onto the earth. Even as a fig tree causeth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Say a mighty wind. wind. Now catch that mighty wind phrase. And the heaven departed as a scroll. So what it sounds like here is some nuclear holocaust that is taking place at the end of the tribulation period. And also beyond that to the time of the bowls of God's wrath. Where you have the heavens departing as a scroll. And you've got the blotting out of the sun. And the moon turning to blood. And the Bible talks about it. It goes on and gives us some other details. Every mountain and island are moved out of their places. So it's so cataclysmic that literally islands are being moved out of their places. Now, I don't know exactly what's going to cause that. But you're talking about some major things. When mountains are moving and islands are moving out of their places and the heavens are departing, are literally rolling up underneath themselves, uh, the heavens are. It's kind of like that mushroom cloud of an atomic explosion. And then you've got the blotting out of the sun with all maybe that nuclear debris. A nuclear winter maybe is going on here. So there's a lot of things happening. You've got searing, searing, uh, uh, very hot winds that are filling the planet at that time. And uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit how Isaiah 13 sees it. It shows us there that literally the earth itself is going to be moved on, it, on its axis. And it's going to reel, the Bible says, it will reel to and fro like a drunken, drunk man. When the tsunami hit, uh, just before the new year, they say that the earth actually shifted one inch on its axis. So you just have a very small taste, or you've seen a small taste of what's going to happen when the sixth seal announces these cataclysmic events. None of us have ever seen the kind of catastrophe that's going to take place as a result of that. All right? Verse 16, And said to the mountains, These men, uh, if it's nuclear holocaust, which is what it sounds like here, there are men who are in bunkers of some kind. They're in the mountains, in the caves. And we know today that they have... Uh, you know, underground situations where they can monitor things and, and hide and watch what's going on in nuclear, in the, uh, in the chance or the possibility of nuclear war. You understand what I'm saying? There, there's military uh, headquarters and stuff under the, the earth and in the caves, etc. They've got them there. And so the Bible tells us that the kings of the earth, maybe the presidents are in these bunkers here and under the earth there, rich men, the chief captains, mighty men, Every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? This, is post this takes you all the way beyond the tribulation period. Now chapter 7, it says, after these things. If you take that literally to mean after these things, that these 144,000 are sealed by God, 
then what you have to, to say is that after all the great wrath of God, that that's when they're sealed. Okay? But it can't be after the wrath of God that they're sealed because Revelation 9 I read to you that they are sealed before the fifth trumpet. Okay? So they're already sealed before the fifth trumpet. Amen. So when I talk about the timing of the, of the sealing of these people, when did it happen? But first off, chapter 7, verse 1, And amid these things I saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. At this point, what is happening is that these people are sealed before certain events take place. No wind should blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Which means evidently this nuclear uh, event, or whatever is causing this cataclysmic situation that I just talked to you about, has not yet happened. Okay? These people, uh, these 144,000 are sealed before those events are taking place. And the angels are literally standing there holding back the four winds. Okay? That it should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. In verse 2, he says, I saw another angel ascending from the east, or the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Are you with me up at this point? When you look at this passage, when it says, in the midst of these events, then you have the sealing of God's people here, the 144,000. What are the events that he's talking about that they're being sealed in the midst of? Number one possibility is that the 144,000 are sealed by God at the very beginning of the tribulation period. At the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period, when the wind has not been allowed to blow on the... We're talking about a judgment type thing here. Or, or where the earth is not able to be hurt. Uh, the sea is not able to be hurt. Verse 3, or the trees are not able to be hurt. Okay? So it could be that they are sealed at the very beginning of the tribulation period. We know they're sealed before the fifth trumpet sounds, according to chapter 9. I just read that to you, right? Okay, but it could be that they are sealed, and the Bible says in the midst here, in the midst of these things, if they're not sealed right at the beginning of the tribulation period, at the onset of the six seals being opened in Revelation 6, it tells us that they are sealed in the midst of these things, which could give you another key, which means they are sealed in the middle of the tribulation period. Or the fourth seal. When the fourth seal opens up, it could be that that is when they're sealed at the time of the fourth seal. Okay? The other possibility is that when you go to Revelation 8 and verse 1, when the seventh seal is opened up, there is a half hour of silence. And this could be the same event. Okay? Where you have the four angels holding back the winds of the earth so they can't hurt the earth, the sea, and the trees there. 
at the time the seventh seal is going to be opened, at that moment, because there's a half hour of silence, that could be the same thing as the angels holding back the uh, judgments of God falling upon the earth until they get sealed in their forehead. Okay? So then that would place you at the seventh seal time frame. Now, chapter 8, verse 1, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. What you need to understand is that when the seventh seal is opened up, that contains the seven trumpets. The seventh seal takes you to the end of the tribulation period. It's around the seventh year of the tribulation period. So you're moving to the end of the seven-year tribulation period at, at this point. Which would mean that the 144,000 are not sealed at the beginning of the tribulation period. Or they're not sealed in the middle of the tribulation period. But they're sealed right at the end of the tribulation period. Just before God's wrath begins to be poured out on the earth. Okay? So that the holding back of the winds and the searing heat that's going to take place. Uh, as a result of these nuclear explosions, I believe that's what you see there. Then what you have here is the same thing in Revelation 8 verse 1, that half hour of silence. Okay? And then after that half hour of silence, the seven seals open, then the seven trumpets are immediately poured out. And what's interesting there, if you look in chapter 8, it tells us, beginning verse 7, The first angel sounded, there followed hell, fire, mingled with blood. They were cast upon the earth. The third part of the trees were burned up. And all green grass were burned up. Second angel sounded. As there were a great mountain burning with fire. Cast into the sea. Third part of the sea became blood. Third part of the creatures were in the sea. And, uh, which were in the sea and had life dying. Third part of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded. There fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp. It fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the waters. So what you see then is you see these catastrophic events in connection with the seventh seal. But we see these people, these 144,000 are sealed before that's happening. So what I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to give you the timing is either right at the beginning of the tribulation period. Uh, that these things are the six seals or in the middle of the tribulation period at the fourth seal in the midst of these things. Or at the end of the tribulation period, at the time the seventh seals open, but before all those cataclysmic events are taking place with those trumpets. Because those trumpets are describing things that God said the angels could hold back. Okay? Which is, I think, a really an awesome possibility because then what you would have here with the opening of the seventh seal and this half hour of rest would be connected with another day of rest which is the seventh day so basically what God is doing here he's giving the people of God a Sabbath at the time that the seventh seal is open then you've got a Sabbath seal there and you're fixing to move into the kingdom age or the Sabbath millennium which is a thousand years in length so I believe then that you have God giving the people of God a rest or a Sabbath at that particular moment Go with me, please. See if I can find this uh, in the Word of the Lord. Let me try Exodus 23, 19. If that's not it, I, I don't know that I'll... Yeah, okay, watch this. Uh, Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see the kid 
in its mother's milk. All right? These 144,000 are the first fruits unto God. Now go to chapter 20, Exodus 20, where you have the commandments of the Lord. And in connection to the Sabbath day, the seventh day, watch this. He says in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy works. Okay, the six seals would lay over that, all right? But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So when you have the seventh seal open, you have a Sabbath seal. And it's interesting there in chapter 8 verse 1, you have a rest for a half an hour where God's people are resting there from what's going to take place. And they're sealed, they're protected. Okay? So he goes on and he says uh, in verse 11, I'm reading again, for in the sixth day, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and the earth the sea, the heaven, the earth, and the sea. Got the words there? Sound familiar to you? All right. And all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, you got that? So what you have, then you have a rest there in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1 and Revelation 7 and verse 1. So I believe it's connected to the seventh seal. As soon as that seventh seal is opened up in the last year or so of the tribulation period, that's when God is going to seal these 144,000. But it could be at the beginning. And it could be at the middle. But it also could be at the very end that they're sealed, okay? They are first fruits unto God. Are y'all with me up to this point? Go to Isaiah 13, please. <clears throat> Isaiah 13. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture to you this morning. Chapter 13, verse 1. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see, lift you up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the land, shake the hand, that they may go into the gates of the nobles. Right? I have commanded my sanctified ones. And that's, I believe, 144,000. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts mustereth the hosts of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord, and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land say the weapons of his indignation that is connected with his wrath to do what to destroy the whole land but before that we see his nobles we see the the uh, <clears throat> the great people you with me here the sanctified ones being assembled they come from a, a verse 6 how you for the day of the Lord is at hand it shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint. Every man's heart shall melt. See, this, this takes you into the time of God's overall wrath that's post-tribulational. But in connection to that, 
you have the 144,000 or the sanctified ones being assembled there. Now, we've taught Isaiah before. We looked at this from a pre-tribulational viewpoint. Okay? But we're looking at it as a post-tribulational thing right now. Notice, because it's connected with the day of his wrath. That these sanctified ones are assembled or called. You got me? All right. Verse 8. They shall be afraid. Pangs. Say pangs. Birth pangs of Messiah. The heavenly shall Mashiach. The birth pangs of the Messiah. Are the great tribulation period. And sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed as one, at one another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. So you have the seal of the 144,000 before the day of the Lord is what I'm trying to show you. Cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine. That's the second coming of Jesus. That's the day of his wrath, the day of the Lord right there. But before that, he sealed that 144,000. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their... Notice this is a worldwide wrath, which is post-tribulational. I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold. Even a man than the gold wedge of Ophir. Now listen to me very carefully. This 144,000 that's going to be sealed by God. Is I believe a literal number. It's also a spiritual number. But a literal number of people. That is going to be protected through the tribulation period. And then of course even during the time of his wrath. They're going to be sealed. So they're not experiencing His wrath. And they're going to be lifting up their heads for His coming. Now, we'll get into that as we go along here, okay? Watching for His coming. The 144,000 are the first fruits from the earth. They are the first ones to be redeemed from the earth. Which means this, that they precede the remaining people of the church in the rapture. They are the first ones to go up at the coming of the Lord. Okay, you with me here? following the 144,000 the first fruits of the first fruits the first fruits of the first fruits they go up first the 144,000 Israelites and then after that the remaining part of the uh, people of the church because the 144,000 in case you don't know this they are a part of the church they are not separate from the church now pre-tribulationists would have you think that the church went out at, before the tribulation started and then God is dealing with these 144,000 Jews and the church is not even there in the earth nor uh, is these nor is the 144,000 a part of the church that's not right the Bible doesn't teach that anywhere the 144,000 are a part of the church they are the first fruits they are the first of the first fruits they are the first to be redeemed from the earth they're the ones that's going to be caught out first. And then the remaining remainder of the church is going to be caught up after them. We'll, we'll see this as we go through this. Okay, you with me here? See, there's a lot going to be happening. 
when you get in that last year of the tribulation period and then that seventh trumpet sounds announcing the coming of the Lord well the bodies of the people are going to be changed into a glorified body but you're still going to be on the earth for a while and you're going to witness the signs that he said would precede his second coming the 144,000 are going to witness the signs preceding his second coming along with the church they're going to witness the signs that precede his second coming the darkening of the sun the moon turned to blood etc you're going to see it and the 144,000 are going to say and at the end there when the trumpet sounds they're going to enter into a resurrected glorified body type situation along with the church but what you need to understand is that when the seventh trumpet sounds, it sounds for a long time. Which means it doesn't mean as soon as Jesus comes back and the trumpet sound, everybody's up. They get a glorified body and then they lift up their head because their redemption draws nigh. They are protected. They're not going to experience his worldwide wrath because they've got a glorified body. But while he's pouring out his wrath... The Bible clearly tells us that the people of God shall see their tormentors judged. So I don't know how long that seventh trumpet is sounding, but it's a long blast. It's a great trumpet, and it's going to sound. And uh, when it does, uh, glorification comes on on the people of God, the 144,000 and the church. And then you see the judgments of God. You don't experience the wrath of God. And then you're caught up. Okay, now I know that's mind-blowing, but that's... Let, let me go back to this passage. Okay. He said, I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man that, uh, than the gold of wedge of effort. He's telling you that people who survived that tribulation period is going to be few in number. We know uh, 144,000 are the first of the first fruits. If they're the first of the first fruits, and they're the first to be redeemed from the earth, that means there's the first fruit company that's going to follow them. Are y'all getting more confused by the minute? Okay, watch this. Okay, here we go. He said in verse 13, Therefore will I shake the heaven, heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place. In the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. This is his searing wrath. This is not just his wrath on Israel. This is the worldwide wrath. This is his searing wrath. That, that one of the four Hebrew words that, that, that mean the searing wrath of God. You'd have to have been here for the other lessons to understand that. But anyway. It shall, come, it shall be as the chaste row and as a sheep that no man taketh up. They sh shall every man turn to his own people and flee everyone into his own land. And every one that is found shall be thrust through. And every one that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled, their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the meads against them which shall not regard silver. And as for gold, they shall not delight in it. Their bowls also shall dash the young men to pieces and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb their eyes shall not spare children and Babylon the glory of kingdoms the beauty of the Chaldeans exceedingly shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah 
You can connect that to Revelation 18. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But while beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. And the wild beasts of the island shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant palaces. And her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. And the destruction of Babylon, literal Babylon, is, is at the end of the tribulation period. I know this has other meanings and symbolisms behind it, you know, but let's just stick right now to the literal ultimate fulfillment of that passage, okay? Now go to Isaiah 18. Watch this. <clears throat> Again, in connection with the destruction of Babylon, 18.2, okay? While you're turning there, chapter 13, then what we see then is we, he, we see God gathering the 144,000, his uh, nobles, his, his sanctified ones. And then we see after he's done that, then we see his worldwide wrath taking place as he's coming forth. All right. You've got those cataclysmic signs and events that are connected with his second coming. Okay. Chapter 18. Woe to the land shadoweth wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. That sendeth ambassadors by the sea, even vessels of bulrushes upon the water, saying, Go ye swift messengers. To a nation scattered and peeled, to a people terrible from their beginning, hitherto a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. All ye inhabitants of the world, and ye dwellers on the earth, look at this. See ye when he lifted up an ensign on the mountains, and when he bloweth the trumpet, hear ye. So what we have here is the gathering of the 144,000, the sealing of the 144,000, and then we see we hear the sounding of a trumpet. This is when the first resurrection takes place. When that seventh trumpet is sounded. Again, are you with me here? And it's right at the end of the tribulation period that this is happening. Then what you have, praise God, is you have these people putting on glorified bodies. And when that trumpet is sounded, at some point as it's being sounded, they'll be caught up. Watch. Are y'all still awake? Verse 4, for so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest. So the rest is connected with the seventh. You got me here? So I believe all this is connected with, in that general time frame, that last year of the tribulation period, with the opening of the seventh seal, it has those seven trumpets and seven bowls of wrath, which speak of the ultimate wrath of God, the bowls of wrath. Okay, take you with me here. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Okay, watch this. So he said, I'm going to take my rest. And I will consider my dwelling place like a clear heat upon the herbs and like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. The message of resurrection right there. For afore the harvest, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripened in the flower, he shall both cut off the springs and pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches. They shall be left together unto the fowls of the mountains and to the beasts of the earth. And the fowls shall, uh, shall summer upon them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts of a people scattered and peeled, and from a people terrible from the beginning. Hitherto a nation meted out, trodden underfoot, whose land the rivers have spoiled, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. This takes you into the kingdom. Okay, you with me here? 
So what you have then, you have again, the 144,000, the ambassadors of God. You have them <clears throat> sealed by God there. And then you have the record where they are going, the sounding of the trumpet takes place and there's a resurrection that happens. And then you have God coming back in His judgment. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you here? Yeah. Connected with His first, the first resurrection. And then the Bible talks about... Uh, Mount Zion. So their location is given to us. Now, having give you that scripture, I'm, I'm trying to show you key key phrases here. Go back to Revelation seven, then. Okay, so Revelation six, then you you saw the announcing of these cataclysmic events, earthquakes, and the departing of the heavens like a scroll. Right? You have the announcement of God's wrath in that sixth seal. But in the midst of that, God is sealing 144,000 Israelites. They are sealed at the beginning of the tribulation period or in the midst of it in the fourth uh, seal. Or they are sealed in connection with the seventh seal, the Sabbath seal of God. At the end of the tribulation period, just before God pours out His wrath. Hence, they are protected from the wrath of God that's taking place there. Because they're sealed by God. Okay. Okay, so you're Revelation 7 right now? Okay, again, verse 1. In the midst of these things, I saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the seas, nor on any tree. I saw another angel. So I connect, it's connected with chapter 8, verse 1. And when he opened the seventh seal... There was, a, was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. There was a time of rest. And so Isaiah 13 talks about it. Isaiah 18 talks about the time of his rest. It's connected there. All right. Now, I'm not going to be dogmatic as to when they're being sealed. But I'm trying to show you that they are definitely not sealed after his wrath. Which Revelation 6, the last verse, announces. Because they have to be sealed before the fifth trumpet sounds. And the seventh trumpet brings in the wrath of God in the picture of seven bowls of wrath. Worldwide wrath. Are y'all clear on this? Do you understand that the seven year tribulation period is not all the wrath of God upon the whole world? Do you understand that the middle of the tribulation period, the last three and a half years is called the great tribulation period? And that that is the wrath of God upon Israel. It's, it's local as far as the wrath of God is concerned. But it affects the world. The consequences of that wrath upon His people called Jacob's trouble is affecting the world. And then when you get at the end of that three and a half years brings you to the end of the seven year overall period. Then what you have is the seventh trumpet brings you to the completion. Or it brings you to the end of the seven-year tribulation period. When that seventh trumpet sounds, then you have seven bowls of wrath. So if the seventh trumpet announces the completion of the tribulation period, those seven bowls of wrath take you beyond the tribulation period. And that's when God pours out His wrath all over the world. So then what God is doing here, He's sealing His people. Okay? And let's just say it's at the time the seventh seal is open, just before those seven trumpets begin to sound. Those plagues begin to fall on the earth that we saw. And I read to you earlier. 
Okay? Affecting the earth, affecting the sea, affecting a third of the trees. Okay? Then the bowls of wrath are the seven last plagues of God. Well, then there's a group, the 144,000, who are protected, still on the earth, protected from the trumpet judgments. But not yet raptured, not resurrected, not caught out yet. You understand? That's what I'm trying to get across to you. And they are the known, they would be known as the first of the first fruits. And they are redeemed from the earth. They're the first ones to be taken out from the earth. Okay? Amen. I know it's clear as mud to you. Don't feel bad. It's not all that clear to me. <sighs> Hallelujah. <laughs> be honest with you, but I'm trying to understand the Word of God. Okay? Y'all with me here? Verse 2, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So he's telling these angels. And in connection to chapter 8, these uh, angels have trumpets. So they are sealed before the seven trumpets start sounding. And the seven trumpets are at the end of the tribulation period, about the last year. And the bowls of wrath and the seventh trumpet is beyond the tribulation. Okay? So that's the timing that they're sealed. Say 144,000 Israelites. Now, the Bible says in verse 4, I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all tribes, the children of Israel. Of the children of Israel. They are part of the church. They are the first of the first fruits. Go to chapter 3. Uh, let's don't do that yet. I've got to give you some connections here. Go to Revelation 14. Let's talk about these 144,000 again. Now, the 144,000 in Revelation 14, I believe, is the same people, same group, as the 144,000 of Revelation 7. Okay? I do believe that God is showing you something very interesting spiritually, and we'll talk about that next week, that there's, there's men and women in this corporate body. The women are the cornerstones and the men are the branches. And I'm not going to get into that this morning, but they're still the same group. <laughs> See, God's word is so awesome. You've got a literal 144,000, but that literal 144,000 speaks to you of the city of God. Because all of their names are on the gates of the city. And hello, city of God. It speaks of entrance into uh, access to Him. And you are the city. You're the bride, the lamb's wife, and you're the city. So these gates and these, the names of these 144,000, uh, the names are on those gates. So, you know, it, it has a wide uh, scope on it. But let's just look at the literal here first. Revelation 14, he said, I looked at Lord, a lamb stood in, the, in Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. They, at this point, they are standing before the Lord in a resurrected body. At the beginning of the kingdom age. After the seven year tribulation period. Okay. Talk, talk to you a little bit more about him. He says they've got the, the father's name written in their foreheads. They have the nature of God. They are sealed. They belong to him. They, they are protected by him. Because a seal speaks of ownership. So he sealed them. They are protected by him. They are owned by him. They are the first of the first fruits. Okay. 
their na the, the name of the Father is written in their foreheads. Now, that's symbolic, of course. They don't have the name of God literally etched in their forehead. The symbolism of the nature of God. All right? That means they, that He owns them. That they're, the seal means they, they're loyal to Him. They keep His commandments. They are chaste virgins. They are faithful to Him. Doesn't mean that necessarily that they are literally physical virgins. In Corinthians 11, He calls the church a chaste virgin. Well, I'm a married man, but I'm still a chaste virgin. Because we're talking about spiritually. So, when He calls this 144,000 virgins, He doesn't necessarily mean that they're physically virgins, that they, but they are definitely spiritual they don't buy into the lie of the Antichrist. They are men of truth, women of truth. You understand? They got the Father's name written in their forehead. Now, keep this in mind because I'm going to go back. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do in advance. I'm going back to Revelation 3 in a minute. And I'm going to show you a church in Revelation 3. And the same thing is said to that church that's said to these 144,000. These 144,000 are overcomers. And yes, they are literal Jewish people. Yes, but it's far-reaching, okay? They're a part of the church. Verse 2, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. Heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. They sung as it were a new song before the throne. Now that's connected with the kingdom age. When you hear the term new song... In the Jewish mind, that's the kingdom age. Okay, so we're talking about that literal thousand-year kingdom age that's going to take place after the tribulation period and after the wrath of God. Okay, singing a new song. There they are on Mount Zion. All right, here we go. It says, they sung a new song before where? The throne and before the four beasts, the elders. No man could learn that song but the 144,000, which were what? Redeemed from the earth. These are they which are not defiled with women. It doesn't mean that they, you know, could not be married. The word woman there means a married woman. They're not fornicators. They're not adulterers. They, they're not uh, involved with married women. But more literally, they are not involved with cultic adulteresses. They are not a part of false religions. And they don't get into paganism. They don't worship false gods. They don't go after the Antichrist and, and the false prophet. And they don't buy into his mark. They are chaste virgins. They are loyal. They are faithful. They are dedicated to the Lamb. And they follow him whithersoever he goeth. They are separate from paganism. Praise the Lord. And they're redeemed. So the Bible says in verse 4, they're not defiled with women. Yeah, I mean, see, we can talk spiritually here. They're not in false churches. Because when you talk about a woman in the Bible, you're talking about either a true church or a false church. To their picture of the people who are part of the true church. And they're not a part of false women. They're not a part of false church systems that preach paganism and false doctrine. They are loyal. They're dedicated, man. Let me put it this way. They're, they're, uh, 
You might say radical. They are not compromisers. They're sold out, man. They don't compromise with paganism. In just a, not even a little bit. They don't compromise. I'll try to show it to you. Okay, in Isaiah 65. Okay. It says, These are they which follow the Lamb with us wherever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men. They're the first of the first fruits. They're the first ones that come out of the earth. Being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile. Well, none of us can say that, can we? None of us can say that our mouth is completely pure in everything that we say. They can. Their mouth is without God, without bitterness, without, oh yeah, without defilement. I tell you, they don't compromise. They are without fault before the throne of God. Without fault. See, don't give me this stuff that's, that's preached today from modern day American church pulpits. And that's why nobody can be perfect. Let's just, you know, uh, let's just come to church on a Sunday and then live like the devil the rest of the week. Friend, you're, you're going to hell. If you got that concept, you are going straight to hell. Because God is not going to have a people that live like that. They are loyal. They are dedicated. They are not compromisers. They're not involved in paganism. They follow the truth, the word of God. Amen. They're loyal to him. They're chaste virgins. They haven't committed spiritual adultery. Thank God I've taken his name, the name of Jesus. I've taken the name of the bridegroom. See, a lot of, a lot of people don't want to take the name of the man they're living with. They say it's okay. To live with somebody and not take their name. That's adultery. That's fornication. In Isaiah, it talks about some women that latch hold to that one man and say, Hey, we'll be called by our own name. We'll do it our way. Let us do it our way the way we want to do it. And we'll serve you. The Lord's not going to accept that. He's not going to accept those seven women. That, that, those members of those seven churches that say, We'll do it our way. Uh, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just keep our own name. You got to take the name of the bridegroom in water baptism to make it a legitimate relationship. Not the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but the name of Jesus. That's all through the book of Acts. And if you don't, if you're not willing to take the name of Jesus, then you're like those seven women say, well, you know what? We'll just, we'll, we'll just hold on to our own name. You know. But just feed us your bread. We want it our way. Oh yeah, okay. Well, maybe I need to go over there and show that to you. I can't believe it. I'm almost out of time. What's this? So I get going here and I just go off. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I... If I don't go off, though, I'm not going to make sense to myself. If I don't let Lord, the Lord lead me. Okay. Mm. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Isaiah. In that day, seven women 
takes you over to that church. Remember it talks about these people are not, these men are not defiled by women. Religious institutions, systems, churches that are false. In that day seven women shall take hold of one man. Who's that one man? Christ Jesus. Saying we will eat our own bread. We're, yeah, okay, thank God I turned and read this. <laughs> yeah, I was misquoting it. We will eat our own bread. We'll uh, wear our own apparel. Only let us be called, oh, be called by thy name. Okay, I got you. Now, now, thank God I turned there. They said, we want your name, but we want to do it our way. We want your name, but we want our way. Don't shut me off just because I got it corrected. We want your name, but we want it our way. You can't have it your way. You know, here's the deal. You can't, if you can't handle the truth today, you will never handle it then. If you think it's too pure and too straight today, you will never survive what's going to take place. If you want to, if you want to shack up and live in adultery and fornicate, you're, you're as lost as you can possibly be. You're going straight to hell. You need to get right with God. Now, I know, see, but I don't want to hear that either. But they want to be able to come and take the name of Jesus and live the way they want to live. Not going to happen. And if you're not careful, you'll get that compromising spirit about you too. In that day, verse 2, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and, the comely, and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy. Even everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord, see, they've come out of Babylon. They've, they've got their ships. They've made their way out of Babylon, man. There's more than just one. And that's natural and literal and physical, yeah. But in a spiritual sense, you've got to get out of Babylon. You've got to come out of Babylon. You've got to be willing to take his name. Follow him whithersoever he goes. But do it his way, not yours. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and from the place of refuge and for a covert from the storm and from the rain. And so what he's doing when he seals them, he's giving them, he's sealing them to protect them from the storm to come. But these men, these 144,000, these people, they are not wanting to do it their way. They're doing it God's way. They're absent from pagan. Oh, they're absent from false religion. They're pure. They're holy, man. They're the first fruits unto God. They're not messing around. They're not playing games with God. They're not playing church. It's real with them. Okay? He goes on, he says this. In verse 6, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. Every nation and kindred, tongue and people, 
Say with a loud voice, fear God, give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him that made heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. So these are basically the same people here. Now, let me, let me see if I want to read them. Verse 8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city. Because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So you see the connection then. The sealing of the 144,000 in the connection. The fall of Babylon. And that fall of Babylon is connected with the second coming of Jesus Christ when he shakes the earth. Okay? Are y'all understanding a little clearer now? So what do they, they have? The name of God, right? In their forehead. They are chaste virgins. Okay? That's this seal group. Now, we see this seal group standing before the throne at the end of the tribulation period. Uh, watch this. Okay, verse 9. After this beheld Lord great multitude, which no man can number of all nations. You with me here? Revelation 14, we saw the 144,000 standing in Mount Zion. Now we see the multitudes that have come out of all nations. These people have glorified bodies. Just hang with me, please. Which no man can number of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Got resurrected bodies. Crying with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, about the elders, and the four beasts fell before his throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might be under our God forever and ever. Amen. One of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So these are not just tribulation saints. Uh, I'm saying that's uh, post-rapture. These are people that are part of the church. Let's, let me go back to Revelation 3 and let me show you. Revelation 3, verse 10. Revelation 3, 10. He's speaking to the church in Philadelphia here in this passage. He said, Because thou hast kept the word of my endurance, or the word of my patience. The word of his endurance is when he hung on the cross. Okay? They have kept the message of the cross. The word of his endurance. He endured all the way. The work of the cross. It's also when you talk about. Let me show you. Because I was kept the word of my patience. Endurance. He's also speaking to a people who will endure the seven year tribulation period. Okay. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Say I'll keep you from the hour of temptation. Say hour, hour, which shall come upon all the world. This is, is a specific time. It is not pre-tribulational. It is an hour of time that's going to come upon all the world. You're talking about the wrath of God here. That's post-tribulational that will come upon all the, all the world he says, I'm going to keep you, uh, also keep thee from the hour of temptation, 
which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now watch. He's going to keep in and through the tribulation period a group of people. But there is a specific hour that's going to come upon the whole world that he's going to keep them from. Now watch this. A lot of people say, well, that's the tribulation right there. And the Lord says, he's going to keep you from that hour that's going to come upon all the world to try them. They say, so the church can't be here because we're out of here before that hour. They don't understand that hour is not the tribulation. That hour is the day of his wrath. So because the people of God, the 144,000 are sealed, they're going to be kept when God's wrath is fallen upon all the world. They're going to be kept in a glorified state, but still watch the tormentors, their, their tormentors being judged. And then, after being glorified, caught up, being the first fruits from the earth. So that hour we're talking about that's going to come upon all the world is the time of his wrath, and it's post-tribulational. Now watch this. This is awesome stuff. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Say, hold fast. Say, overcome. Say, endure. That's the message of these churches in the context of the seven-year tribulation period. Hold fast that no man take. Him that overcometh. And the number 144 is the number of the overcomer. Thousand is the number of glory or the kingdom. Say, Overcomer. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out. I will write upon him the name of my God. Woo. He's writing to the church of Philadelphia. Same thing he says about the 144,000. He's saying to that church of Philadelphia. He says it's the overcomer. He said if you're an overcomer. You know. You like those virgins. Follow the Lord with us wherever he goes. Not defile yourself with women. False religions and paganism. False doctrines and antichrist lie. And false prophet lie. Those are the people he's going to seal and protect. Okay. He said, and also the name of the city, my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The 144,000 are a part of the church. The pre-tribulation rapture of the church is not in your Bible. Give God some praise. So they're sealed in the midst of those things. Okay? They're going to be kept through those things. But there's a specific hour that he's talking about that's going to come upon the whole world that the overcomer will be protected from. And that's why God says, hold back the winds to those four angels in connection with the, the silence, half hour of silence, with the seventh seal being opened up, and then those seven trumpets sounded. Followed by seven bowls of wrath. Okay? With me here? 
How many of y'all love Jesus? Go to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, and I'm almost done. I'm not through, but I'm almost done. Because next week, come back, and we'll, we'll cover it some more. Take a little bit at a time. You, you, you know, you got to take a little bit at a time. Isaiah 65. Is this helping anybody? Is this opening your eyes? When you get to verse 9 of chapter 7, thank you. You are at the end of the tribulation period. You are post-trib. You are at the first resurrection time frame there. All right? Nine. And the ceiling of those people, though, are in the midst of the events of the tribulation period. Okay? Trying to show you. Uh, Isaiah 65. This group of people. Isaiah 65. Now, you know how I love to preach. I love to preach. It's hard for me to preach and teach at the same time. But we're going to do our best to try to teach you some of the word of the Lord at the same time, okay? Now, Isaiah 65. Let's talk about this group of people. 144,000. What I'm trying to tell you specifically, the church of Philadelphia is referenced to the literal 144,000 Israelites. Okay? And they're called the church. And they're in the great tribulation. That's where they came out of. And along with that great multitude. But Isaiah 65, what's this? Verse 11. But ye are they that forsake the Lord, that forget my holy mountain, that prepare a table for that troop, or Gad, and that furnish the drink offering unto that number, or Mini. This is a reference to Gad and Mini. Mithra. Mithra. False god Mithra. Connected with Christmas. Christmas is nothing more than the celebration of Mithra. It's nothing more than the celebration of Mini and Gad. And when you celebrate Christmas, you are celebrating the holiday of Mithra. In fact, the, the little cap with a little ball on the end is the, the cap that Mithra wore. Study it for yourself. Now watch what he says. He says, But you are they that forsake the Lord. How do they forsake the Lord? They forgot His holy mountain. They prepare a table for that troop. They furnish the drink offering unto that number. They're involved in that celebration of Mithra. Therefore will I number you to the, sword, to the sword, and you shall all bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spake, you did not hear. But did evil before my eyes, and did choose that where I, I delighted not. He does not delight in Mithraism. And I told you a long time ago, if I ever found it in the Bible, that I would preach against it. And I found it in the Bible. And I would not preach against, I told you I would not preach against something that I could not find in the Bible. And I found it in the Bible. And so we preach against these, these pagan institutions and ceremonies. Because God does not delight in it. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat. Woo, there we go. Say, my servants. My servants. That's the ones that sealed in their forehead. Oh, yeah, you see? Oh, boy, I start talking like this. Yeah, we love it. Praise the Lord, Pastor Preach. But when we really bring it home to you, say, servants. What's going to happen to them? They're going to eat. You got that? They shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. 
Behold, my servant shall sing for joy of heart. But you shall cry for sorrow of heart and shall howl for vexation of spirit. You shall leave your name for a curse unto my chosen, for the Lord God shall slay thee and call his servants by another name. His servants by another name. That he who blesseth himself in the earth shall, be, shall bless himself in the God of truth. The God of truth. They are men of truth. They are virgins. They're chaste. They're loyal. They're dedicated. They're not caught up in paganism and false religions and married occultic whores. A part of false church systems. They've come out and separated themselves unto God. They're radical. They're men of truth. They shall swear by the God of truth. Hallelujah. Because the former troubles are forgotten. And the former troubles are heavenly shall Mashiach. The birth pains of the Messiah. Last three and a half years of the tribulation period. So he's talking about 144,000 people who have been sealed by God. Who are faithful and dedicated unto God. Not caught up in paganism. But they, are, they follow the God of truth. And oh yeah. Watch this. They swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten. Yeah. When you talk about trouble in this particular text, not just problems you have, you're talking about a specific time of trouble, the great tribulation. The former troubles are forgotten, and because they are hid from my eyes, for behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. So God takes that passage all the way up to the new heavens and the new earth. Friend, that goes even beyond the, se- the kingdom age. Look over here, please. This is the church age. Uh, move this line (laughs) this is the church age (laughs) after this seven year tribulation period right here you have the thousand year kingdom age the millennium seventh millennium the sabbath millennium following that you have a new heavens and a new earth and he's talking about people who follow the God of truth and are not caught up in paganism all the way up to that point he's talking to 144,000 that were sealed during the time of trouble they made it beyond the time of trouble. Mm. And I'm glad to preach this to you today. It's the word of the Lord. Let's go to John 17, and I think I'll close with this passage. John 17. Are y'all understanding me, or am I just rambling on like... Do you see the parallels of, of that church of Revelation 3? And uh, this seal company and their overcomers and what makes them overcomer when they're sealed and when they stand before, before Him finally as the resurrection and it's connected with the day of the Lord. Post-tribulational. John 17, 15, and then we'll go to Luke 21. Okay? Luke 21, John uh, 17, 15. Watch what Jesus says. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. The word take out literally means to lift up or remove. He said, I'm praying that you don't lift them up, that you don't remove them from the world. But that thou shouldest... Keep them, whoo, this is powerful, from the evil. Not keep them out, but keep them through it. 
what let me just lay it down on to you like this what the lord is really doing he's praying against the pre-tribulation rapture in connection to revelation 3 10 through 15 he is praying in connection to a keeping but is a keeping through And he's praying that, he, that the Father doesn't take us up or remove us from the earth. But that he keeps us through the time of evil. So I think I'll, I'll listen to the Lord. <laughs> I know it's not popular, but I ain't, you know, it's not about being popular. It's about the Word of God. To be lifted up or to literally be removed. But thou should keep us them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Set them apart. Hallelujah. Seal them. Seal them. Oh, yeah. See, the Jewish mind, the seal in the forehead, it's not just ownership and protection, but to the Jewish mind, they put emet, or the word, and that means truth. And so God says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In connection with the image of the beast, the golem, in ancient history, they take a piece of clay and write emet over, over the piece of clay and pronounce the ineffable name of God, the unpronounceable name of God, and that piece of clay would come alive. It's in connection with the image of the beast. It had power. They had, he had power to give life to the image of the beast. It should both speak. So what I'm trying to show you here is we got one group that's sealed with the Antichrist mark. We got another people who are sealed with God's mark, and they are men and women of truth that are kept in the earth, set apart by God by truth, not caught up in the false women systems. Is this helping anybody? Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth, as thou hast sent me into the world. I'm coming to the close. How many of you know that, the, that Jesus was sent in the world? As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. He's talking about his disciples. Who's in, how do you know who's been sent into the world then? Anybody can stand up. I'm sent by God. Anybody can stand up and say, I'm called to preach. How do you know they're sent? The only way you can know if they're sent, we know Jesus was sent. We know his disciples were sent. And the only way you can know if a man is sent today is if they're preaching the same thing the apostles preached. If he's not preaching that message. He just doesn't know the truth yet and will eventually get the truth. Or he's a false apostle, false prophet altogether. You're set apart by the truth. That's why you've got to be in the house of the Lord. When you twist off and you miss church and you make an excuse why you can't be in the house of God that is unacceptable to God totally unacceptable to God because you are set apart by truth and I know I'm radical man I know I'm fiery but I want to see you saved and I want to be saved you are set apart by truth verse 18 as thou hast sent me into the world even so have I sent them into the world and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Right. you got to believe on Jesus, not just accept Him as your Savior. 
and believe on him you got to believe on him through the preaching of the apostles doctrine there's a certain way to believe on him so these 144,000 they are people of truth they swear by the God of truth they're sanctified by truth they're marked by truth they're not harlots they're not being unfaithful they're not in spiritual adultery and spiritual prostitution you see now you know you can discount this right now and kind of just throw it away and get it off of your shoulder you know and not deal with it but it's the word of God and what you need to understand and I say this gently (laughs) what you need to understand is that every nugget of truth that you have ever heard you will be responsible for in eternity okay you are responsible for what you've heard so you can say well I don't need to worry about that you know uh, well, okay. It's, mm, I wouldn't go that route. Ain't no way. Go to Luke 21. How many people of truth I got out there? I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. Now, let me say this. How many of y'all believe we got all the truth? No. <laughs> uh, we don't have all the truth. You're looking at a man that's progressively growing in truth. Thank you, sister. I, I don't, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot, there's a lot about this Bible I don't know. I don't understand. So I, I don't have all the truth. I got some of the truth. Truth is a highway. Truth is not a destiny. I don't have all the truth. I would say you got more truth than most, but you don't have all the truth. Go to Luke, Luke 21, Luke 21. Watch this. Luke 21. Amen. I'm just having a great time this morning. Okay, Luke 21, uh, verse 22. For these are the day of ven- days of vengeance, that all things which are written might be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. They shall fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the power of Powers of the heaven shall be shaken. There's Revelation 6 again. Watch this. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. So at the end of that tribulation period, those... 144,000 that have been sealed and then this great multitude that are going to come out of the great tribulation period the 144,000 first being the first of the first fruits are going to lift up their head and they're going to see Jesus coming back as they witness the signs that I just read to you about they've witnessed those signs and here comes the Lord they lift up their heads their redemption is drawing nigh and then they're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and then guess what happens then Appentasis, he, he is escorted by that company of people back to the earth. Escorting royalty back to the earth. So they're standing up with their heads lifted up, you know, is, is a post-tribulational event. It's after they've seen the signs he just talked about. 
Y'all understand these things. <laughs> so God is, the Lord Jesus literally prayed. He said, don't remove them. He said, don't take them out. He said, you leave them, but you keep them in the earth. Revelation 3.10, same phraseology is used. And so let me, let me do this. Let me go to Revelation 7 and let's see. The first fruits uh, of the first fruits are caught out. The first ones to be redeemed from the earth is that 144,000 Jewish or Israelites. Then the remaining of the church will be caught out. Of course, post-tribulational. Okay, you with me here? And then uh, stand before him, before his throne. And when you get to Revelation 7, 9, you see people in resurrected bodies standing before his throne. The rapture has taken place at that point. Did you hear me? The rapture has taken place at that point. And where did they come from? They came out of great, not just tribulation, but they came out of great tribulation. They survived the last three and a half years. Or they, you know, if they didn't survive it, uh, as far as being kept from being martyred, they've got a resurrected body. So let me read verse 9. And after this, I'll be healed. After this, I'll be healed. Lo, a great multitude, which no man can number of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes. Remember Revelation 3, I believe it was verse 18 in there somewhere, about giving a white robe to those that overcome. And palm branches in their hands, a cry with a loud voice, saying, Salvation our God, which sits upon the throne and under the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders, and the four beasts fell before the throne on their faces, and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be under our God. <laughs> Forever and ever. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said to him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, serve him day and night in his temple. There's those servants again. He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more. They are fed, see? Neither shall they thirst or given water anymore. Neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them in the living fountains of waters. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And take read Revelation 21 and 22 sometime and you'll see some very similar things going on there. Okay? Isn't God good? I just love His Word. It, so hopefully we've helped you identify the timing of their seal when they're sealed. And the timing of the resurrection and the timing when they stand before the Lord in this chapter is, is associated with the first resurrection at the seventh trumpet. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Thank you, Lord. Okay, yeah. Matthew 24. See, I can't stop. Let me show you when the completion takes place. He that endures to the end. Matthew 10. He that endures to the end. What's this? Got to endure to the end. Verse 22, and ye shall be hated. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's, good, that's good news. Then. I'll give you some good news this morning. Hey, you shall be hated. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be hated. <laughs> you shall be hated of all men. Why? For my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. To the end shall be saved. Well, what is to the end? Go to Revelation 10. Revelation 10. What is that end? What is that completion that we're told we have to endure to? Revelation 10. Last scripture, I promise. 
Revelation 10, 7. But, the days of, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. Say finished. That's the end. That's, that's announcing the time of the end. As he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Because when that seventh trumpet sounds, that announces his coming. And it's at the end of the tribulation period or right at the end of the tribulation period. And then the bowls of wrath are poured out. And so that's the point that you have to endure to is to the time of the end. The time of the end is the time of the end. You can't change it. You can't make it fit in your theology or where you want it. It's in the Bible defines the time of the end. Okay? I love y'all. Turn the cameras off. I'm done. Anybody have any question about what I just talked about? I'm, I'm, I'll help you right now. For a few minutes, I'll answer questions. Anybody have any questions? Okay. Fairly halfway clear about what's going on in Revelation 7. Next week, then come back because instead of just looking at that from the literal future fulfillment, we're going to show you that there's a spiritual significant to it for you. That you are the gates of the city that give access into the presence of God. And every gate has one of the names of those tribes. Now listen to me very carefully, okay? You have 12 tribes here, 12,000 from each tribe. It's a symbolic number. It's 144. It's the number of the overcomer. The number 12 is the number of divine government. These people have learned, they have become what they are through discipline. They are a disciplined group of men. Through discipline, do, through divine government. Okay? They have become who they are. Now watch this. The gates have one of the names of these tribes upon them. Of that city. And that city is called the bride, the lamb's wife, which you are. My point is this. It says, let us enter into the gates, plural. Not to one big pearly gate, but through the gates, plural. So right now, everything that every one of those names mean is what you are progressively walking through. Not one gate, but progressively walking through till you have a greater access to Him. You start with salvation, you go with Reuben. Uh, behold, the Son, the Son of Israel. You get saved, and then you go from there. And every one of these names means something to the church. And it's... it's, it's Gates you go through in a spiritual sense. And that's what we'll talk about next week. And it's very interesting. The firstborn is not recorded there at, at the top. Reuben is not called first. Which is almost unheard of. Because when you list the names of Israel. You normally list it with a firstborn son. Which is Reuben. Something very interesting here. Judah is named first. And then Reuben. So he's trying to show you something. He's trying to give you a key. He's not just dealing with natural Israel. But it's showing you what natural Israel typified in the church. Okay, you with me here? It's going to be fun. So come back. See, Jacob is, God said he created Jacob, but he formed Israel. So you can be created, Jacob, naturally, but Israel is God forming you. That's when you get born again. And I'm not calling you Israel. I'm telling you that Israel's a type of you. But God said, I've created Jacob, but I have formed Israel. And that's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs>
Well, since I'm on the road, I will share with you. You know, Jacob wrestled with the angel. He said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I, he said, I'm not going to let you go till you change my nature. And so this, this 144,000, these are overcomers, that they have allowed God to change their nature, and they've gone through one gate after another gate after another gate after another gate after another gate, until finally you get to the last name, and that's Benjamin, he's the son of my right hand. And so you become a son of his power, and at that point you have not just seen his face, but you become a manifestation or a revealer of that face. So I'm just asking you right now, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to count the cost? This is not easy believism, man. Hallelujah. That's why I love this book. You love Jesus? Y'all ready? It's only 12 o'clock. Can you imagine that? We're getting out of here at 12 o'clock. Can you imagine that? Getting out of here at 12 o'clock. That's just, oh my. That's, that's almost a sin, isn't it? We're getting out at 12 o'clock, and you're going to drive by the, the local Baptist or Church of Christ or whatever, Catholic Church, and their cars are still parked there, and, and we're getting out before them. That just almost a sin, you know? <laughs> but I doubt if they'll be back at 4 with a, with a new life class. Maybe they will, and I, a lot of them won't come back for church tonight. So, hallelujah. We, we'll, you know, be one up on them there, right? Okay. God bless y'all. We'll see you tonight. God, amen.